The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. Welcome back to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm so excited for this episode. I had an amazing conversation with Dasima, who was a member of Ram Das's household. She was a primary caregiver for him for the last 15 years of his life. We had a chance to meet during my family trip to the island last September. You can hear more about all of that in the episode titled Landing at Ram Das's Door. Well, I had an opportunity to bring her on for this conversation about the friendship between Wayne Dyer and Ram Dass, the times that they spent together, and also just what it was like living with Ram Dass and their day-to-day routines. And Dossie has such a big heart. I know that you're going to love her as much as I do. To watch the full video for this episode, you can go over to Patreon. You can get the links for that and more information about this podcast at NadiaDelaCruz.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sending you so much love and I'll see you again soon. Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community. You can get more details about this podcast, upcoming events, and more at NadiaDelacruz.com. Now, today I have a very special guest joining me. Dasima was the primary caregiver and assistant to Ram Das on Maui for the last 15 years of his life. You can read part of her story in a segment she wrote in the book, Whisper in the Heart, The Ongoing Presence of Neem Karoli Baba. And she continues to support Ram Dass's legacy as the president of Hanuman Maui, where his home and gardens are preserved as a spiritual sanctuary. Dossie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this opportunity for us to chat. Oh, it's truly my pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, we got connected a few months ago. I was on a family trip to Hawaii with my husband and my kids and um, truly unexpected series of events came together where I was able to come and visit Hanuman Maui. That was not part of the plan. I didn't know that was going to happen. There were so many synchronicities that came together. I actually talked about all of that in a previous episode called Landing at Ram Dass's Door, and that's episode 210 for anyone who wants to hear that. Um, but that's where we met, and I just I loved what all of you are doing there and the love that you carry on in that space, and that's why I wanted to reach out and, and have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Nadia. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got started in spirituality? Were you always spiritual? Not really. I uh, I was uh, brought up a Catholic, and I had 16 years of Catholic education. And frankly, I credit Wayne as the in- individual 
who got me back on the spiritual path. Um, so in the 70s, um, I sort of rebelled against my my uh, religion at the time. Um, I was turned off to organized religion, as were many, many others during the 70s. Sure. And um, at that point, I even considered myself to be agnostic. Um, mm. um, and that lasted for oh, almost 10 years. And then in the 80s, in the, the corporate arena, um, several of my fellow managers uh, would uh, exchange motivational uh, leadership cassette. I, th- I guess they were cassette tape albums, and they were really cool. There were six or 12 of them in a in a in an album six cassettes and um when you got a good a good one it was great and somehow or other uh, Wayne's Wayne Dyer um one of his albums I believe it was how to be a no limit how to be a, a no limit person mm-hmm. um uh, I think it was that I'm not sure but it was it was one of them and I just loved it and I loved what he was saying and um and I think at that point, he was deepening into spirituality himself. And so, you know, as I would get a new cassette album, it was like, wow, here's the next level. And this is where Wayne is now. It was really an exciting time. And, I, you know, I just, ah, oh, I loved his storytelling ability and his humor and the way he was able to simplify a spiritual complex spiritual concepts so that everyone could you know readily understand them and i love that he was open to all forms of of religion he was truly a spiritual a seeker mm-hmm. so after i listened to the album uh, i sought out all of wayne's works and looked forward to new releases as they as they went as the years went by so, you know, without a doubt, Wayne was a major key to opening my door uh, of spirituality. Uh, me, as well as hundreds of thousands of others, um, right. you know, often here. And people uh, who come here to Hanuman Maui, whether they're caregivers or, or personal retreatants or, or whatever, I many times hear them say, uh, I was introduced to spirituality by Wayne Dyer. So anyway, in the late 80s, uh, I plunged into a a Zen practice, and um, Wayne's work at that point was a springboard to other spiritual uh, teachers, and I started to to attend a lot of spiritual workshops, including lectures by by Wayne. And and at that point, I even had a group that would come over to my house uh, on a weekly basis, uh, a group of friends, and we would discuss different spiritual concepts. Mm-hmm. So um, I I'd come a long way from uh, my agnostic uh, period in the in the in the seventies. You sure have. What what an interesting arc to your personal story, right? That you yeah. had this exploration where you really you covered the gamut. You know, yeah, being raised uh, religious, right? Probably yes. traditional religious upbringing Very traditional. to agnostic to. Yeah. Wayne Dyer and 
you know, he didn't start speaking about spirituality until the 80s, the late 80s. And I think his first book on spirituality, you'll see it when you believe it, was published in the early 90s. But of course, he'd been starting to get into that a few years before, probably also because of his marriage to to Marcy, because she was quite a a spiritual woman as well. Uh Wow, that's great. I had a similar experience as you in that I discovered Wayne Dyer and my first book was his first spiritual book. And everyone that came after that, I was like, oh, it's like it was getting deeper. And yeah, as, as he was exploring sure. this, I was exploring it. I discovered other teachers, which is also yes. how I discovered Ramdas. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Wayne talked about Ramdas in his, in his books and in, uh, particularly in his, uh, his uh, audio cassettes and, um, I didn't follow up until someone actually handed me a tape of, of Ram Dass, a cassette tape. It was in 1993. And, um, yeah, uh, I, you know, I put it in my car cassette player on my way home and I arrived at my destination and I just sat there and, and listened to the entire tape. And I just felt like I am home. I am home. Um, he spoke of, I think it was called Compassionate Heart. I'm not sure. Compassionate mm-hmm. Heart, yes. And he spoke of love and compassion and God and it just rang so true to me. Yeah. I really felt that I found my home. And um, he showed how to live in love and constantly uh, reminded me that, you know, he was only the worm that his teacher. Uh, Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba was the fisherman and we were the fish. So I, he, you know, even to the end, he said, I'm just the worm. He didn't want to be considered a guru. Um, but, you know, he really introduced me to the concept of heart space. And he did it not by lecturing, but just by being and yeah. loving. And in the end, dying exactly as he was. Um you know, he was basically a fellow pilgrim, eager to share his missteps. And that's the Wayne and him, maybe we can talk about this in a few minutes, but Wayne and him, um, their lecturing style was, was very similar. Uh, they, they used their uh, missteps as, as springboards for great spiritual stories. And, um, Ramdas just radiated love even later on from his wheelchair. Definitely, yeah. So at that point, uh, I didn't know if he was living or dead. And I, you know, uh, next day I, I remember going back into work and trying to figure out, you know, if he was still living and what 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 he had done since, um, you know. Since the tape, the tape that I had was, it it was it it seemed like it was a homemade tape by someone, you know, who was in the audience. So it was, but and and I didn't have access in '93 to to the internet as mm-hmm. most people didn't. So, but I found out that he had written some books, and one of them being uh, "Be Here Now." I guess I was just in the corporate world and and, and missed it. Um, but I found out he was going to do a lecture in um, in Washington D.C. I was living in 
South Jersey, right next to Philly at the time. So it was, and he was doing it the next month. So I signed up for that, and a, a bunch of us rode down to rode down to uh, Washington D.C. and um, then shortly there, I thought I thought seeing him in person, I it was like you know he was he was really wow. Uh, he kept on morphing into into Maharaji. Um, but mm-hmm. after that, I went to an Omega Institute retreat in Rhinebeck, the big uh, spiritual retreat center, and uh, I did a week with him that summer. And then from then on, all my vacation time and time off uh, was dedicated to following Ramdas wherever he went, you know, whether it was Costa Rica or Canada or, you know, all over the country for, for, for retreats and workshops and you know, just a evening lecture sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, I volunteered to do some some seva for them. I did some photography and uh, edited tapes for the tape library, um, his for his foundation. And I'd do that after you know my day of work ended, which sometimes was eight nine o'clock at night. Um, so I did this and and followed him, and then. A few four years later, in 1997, he had a, a major, uh, a major hemorrhaging stroke that was it was just it was just a miracle that he lived. It was so so bad, and at with that stroke, he was partially paralyzed and had aphasia as well as as other things. Um, but he continued to teach. And um, I remember at one point, it was after his stroke, I had this really vivid dream. And in the dream, I was taking care of him. Um, and I woke up, and I was in a sweat. It was like, and there was nothing supernatural or, you know, extraordinary about the, about the, about the, um, a dream. It was just, you know, was, I was giving him medicine and helping him wash and, it was so real, and so I. The next day, I went into work and I inquired about: Is there any possibility of an early retirement? Um, my wish wasn't granted, but the seed was planted. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then he started after the after he was recuperating from a stroke. He started to go out and to lecture again, and he was going to make a, a trip to Brazil. And I was going there. There was a whole whole group of satsang, I guess you'd call it, uh, that went, and um, and that was amazing to be there a couple of weeks with him. Now, that was probably in 2002, and in 2004, he was going to India. It turned out to be his last trip to India, and um, I was, I was asked if I wanted to join uh, the group, and we met in Delhi and took a bus uh, down to Kenchi, which is the major Maharaji ashram. So that was fantastic. Um, and we spent three weeks at the ashram, and just being there, Ramdas was there, and Sitima, who was who was running the ashram, she was an extremely special person. Uh, it was just... Uh, it was just an amazing three weeks, but towards the end of that uh, 
that stay, Ramdas started to get sick. He had some kind of, it, it was, I don't know, it seemed like to me it was close to pneumonia. It was a really mm-hmm. bad cold, really bad, really bad. And, um, you know, so most people would, especially in his condition, would have imagined in a wheelchair and, and traveling from you know, the San Francisco area all the way to India. He came back to to touch base in San Francisco, in, in, California, was there for overnight, and the next day went to Maui, got to Maui, and uh, did a retreat, and by the end of the retreat, he was really, really fried. He had such a bad infection, it was sepsis, you know, sepsis and everything, so he ended up in the hospital, and he was there for several weeks, and, you know, they weren't sure then if he was going to make it, mm-hmm. but um, but he decided at that point, yes, I, I am going to stay on Maui, it's where he had for many years decided he'd love to retire, and uh, of course he never retired, he was still working up, up, up until he died, so and in the meantime, so there he was, he's on Maui, he just got out of the hospital, he was in, you know, this house, this person who was, who was uh, taking care of him, a, a dear friend of mine, um, was going back to India, so they needed someone to, to help out. And uh, I left my job as a director of human resources, and it was my plan to travel for about a year and then make a decision whether I wanted to go back into the corporate world. So I was visiting in San Francisco and um, I visited with some friends and they said, "Hey, you're, we're going to uh, we're going to Maui next week and we're going to be visiting with Ramda. So uh, if you'd like, come with us." I said, All right. So I went back home to to New Jersey, packed my bags, and met them in in. Uh, in Maui, and um, we had some lovely dinners with with Ramdas, and uh, it was you know, it was it was beautiful. And um, one night we had dinner at his house, and after dinner he was at, we were in the kitchen, and he 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 wheeled his chair around the around the uh, the kitchen the kitchen uh, uh, island, and uh, mm-hmm. he said to me. So you want to be my nurse? And of course, I said yes. Um, and I said I can do it for about two months, and that two months um, turned into fifteen years of loving service. Wow! Wow! What an so, incredible journey! I love all of these trips that you took, following him around the world to yeah. speak and participate in that. And it's like, yes. it's like. He, he not only brought that heart energy into your experience of life, but yes. adventure, right? All of these yeah, places that you're going. Yeah, so when you were going to see him talk, especially yes. maybe the first few that you went to, yeah. were you able to interact with him? Were you, you know, yeah. because if you do like a whole week long thing, you really uh-huh. spend a lot of time together. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the, for a long period of time, I was really intimidated by him. There was no reason to. He was the easiest man to talk to. But, you know, I guess, you know, I probably had him on a pedestal. 
And it was just difficult. I mean, you know, I, I would go up and I would hug him, but I could hardly talk in front of him the, the, the first several years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way that he not only impacted your life, but so many, you know, and he yes. was he was one of the biggest voices that came back from the East in the 60s and 70s, bringing yeah. these these concepts and these practices that are so infused into our culture today that were completely brand new at the time. And I just think it was this, it was this time of exodus, right? Yes. Where these brave seekers went looking for something because it didn't feel right the way we were doing it here, looking for those answers and, and yeah. coming back with gurus and lessons and yoga and meditation and things that I'm so grateful for that because I feel like we benefit from all the work that they did and the way that Ramdas especially was able to just articulate and reach us on a heart level. Yeah. My my first meeting was with Ramdas. Um actually the only time I saw him in person was when I went to see Wayne and Maui in two thousand seven. Now I think you said you were you were probably at that conference. I was at, definitely at that con. At the yeah. Westin. Yes. So um, so I came to see Wayne. I've been following Wayne forever, right? And I knew a little bit about Ram Dass, but not yes. a lot. I didn't feel like I knew enough to take up his time, basically. But, you know, they lifted him up in his wheelchair on the stage, and it's like... Yeah. And he speaks very slowly, but I was mesmerized. And, like, he's telling these funny yeah. stories, you know, of... Um, <laughs> all of his experiences with psychedelics and going to India and he's so charming and it was just it was really unexpected that I was just I was drawn in and um, after the talk and he's off by the side and there's just a few people standing around him you know milling about in between yeah. during the break and I sort of walked up but like I just I'm like, well, they probably know a lot about him and I don't want to take up his time. Like, who am I, you know? Yeah. And so I stopped about 10 feet away and he made eye contact with me. And I still get choked up when I think about this because it was just this, this energy that never left me. And when I learned more about it, I think it was actually the love from, from Maharaji. He was radiating that you yeah. know, and when we locked eyes, it's like it just it just went in me and it never left me. But I just had this from a cognitive point of view. I just had this sense that he totally understood why I was standing there, why I was keeping my distance, how I felt. And it was all OK. I yeah. didn't have to push. I didn't have to come forward. It was all OK. And like we had that connection in just this moment that it was just I've never experienced anything like it. And it wasn't until later that I learned more about his guru that I was like, that's exactly what this, that's exactly what this sounds wow. like. That's, wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. And the connection between Wayne and, and Ram mm -hmm. Dass, um, so Wayne Dyer really looked up to him as a mentor yes. and a teacher. And there's a quote from, he wrote a letter in 2004 yeah. asking for support when um when Ramdas decided he was going to stay on Maui right after that last trip to India he's going to stay and Wayne was already living there and he's like yes you should stay but of course 
Ramdas hadn't taken any money for all the work that he'd been doing, so he didn't have all this money saved yeah. away like Wayne was doing, right? Yeah. Wayne was the businessman, right? And yeah. uh, and he wrote this letter called Be Here For Him Now, and yeah. there's a quote here I'm going to read. It says, to me, Ramdas was and is the finest speaker I have ever heard, period. He was my role model on stage, mm -hmm. always gentle and kind, always speaking without notes from his heart sharing yeah. his inspiring stories and always with great humor. Mm -hmm. I tell you this from my own heart. I could listen to his lectures for hours and always felt saddened when they would end. Wow. Nice. Beautiful. So Ramdas was the foundation for so much of the way Wayne showed up in the world. Yeah. You know, when you think of it, they really um, shared, um, particularly before Ramdas's stroke, I mean, I mean, his humor, his humor prevailed throughout his whole life, even post-stroke. But um, I mean, they both they both used humor. They both made fun of themselves. They were both able to interpret, um, you know, uh, complex spiritual concepts and and, and make it uh, easy for people to digest. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, you know, I've heard Wayne say that uh, he had followed, and from sometimes from afar, Ramdas for forty years, um, from the early '60s, and mm -hmm. uh, he he would listen to his his cassettes, and and occasionally he would go and see him. You know, you know, it was it was really interesting. And that letter. Um, and that was just about the time that I was getting there in 2005. Um, mm -hmm. It was, I think that the letter went out, I think it was in April. And um, what happened was, yeah, you know, Ramdas was never con that concerned with money. Um, his, his guru, Maharaji, told him not to handle money. And so mm -hmm. when he was in India, he had someone carrying, he had a, a money holder, <laughs> someone who, <laughs> who actually carried his money. And um, he, he um, declined his father, the inheritance from his father. And he, um, he was the co-founder of this organization called the Seva Foundation. And he would do mm -hmm. like 50 city tours to promote and to to acquire money for the Seva Foundation and you know just took enough so that he could do the traveling mm -hmm. uh, even his book be here now the majority large majority of of the proceeds went elsewhere and not to him there was a little i don't know if you remember the be here now book but there was a little graph with where all of the different uh um allocations for the book went the llama foundation was a really big one mm -hmm. and um yeah so oh, it was good so when he got here at that point uh when he had the stroke the one of the things that was affected was his ability uh to understand figures and numbers and so mm -hmm. you know he and he he came with what he you know he was coming for a week and um <laughs> No concept, and and the f 
first person that was here went to pay the rent and looked into the checkbook and there was like $11 for the month. So a good friend of ours, Chuck Blitz, met with uh, with Wayne and and Ramdas was there too. And uh, uh, Wayne was explaining the situation. Excuse me. Uh, Chuck was explaining the situation. And Wayne said, you know what I can do? I I've got a, a a base of three million people, uh, followers on the on the internet, and I can write a letter, and you know maybe that might help. So he went home and wrote this letter, and it was totally inspired. He said he felt it was inspired by God or Maharaji, and so he had his letter the next morning, and uh, it was a beautiful letter. It, it, you uh, read some of his thoughts about Ramdas. And, um, you know, it was, the letter went out, and, and Ramdas was a little, he felt, he was always the giver, so he, yeah, yeah it, it, it was, a, you know, a complex for him to be the receiver, and he was brought up wealthy, and and um, <clears throat> never really had to think that much about money, and so... It was a it was a big deal for Ramdas as well, yeah. But it was it was a beautiful letter, and uh, it brought in oh I don't know probably close to three hundred thousand dollars, and these beautiful letters came in, and and uh, we would handwrite responses to to just about every one of them, and uh, when Wayne would come over, we would read some of the some of the special letters to him. He loved it. Yeah. I I know there's a, a two-part YouTube video with a conversation between Ram Dass and Wayne shortly after this all happened. And yes. I remember Ram Dass sort of admitting in that conversation that he wasn't totally comfortable with being in that position of receiving. Yeah. And it's interesting, his his journey too, that you know, maybe it was the first half of his life or more was all giving, giving, giving. Yeah. And then he was put in a position to, <laughs> to practice on on the receiving end for all the years after his stroke. That was 97 to 2019. So yeah, more than 20 years, right? Um, more than 20 years, yeah. So you must have seen sort of a a process with him in in making that part of his practice to let all of that in because everything yeah. was grist for the mill, right? Yeah, you know it was um, when he when he had a stroke, um, he had to give up a lot of things. He had to give up you know, driving a car and drive and, and and playing golf and you know he. He had airplanes and uh, an airplane, and he you know had to give that up, and um, so there was a lot, and he had to learn how to be dependent and how to how to receive. He was always on the, the on the giving end, and mm-hmm. um, he said, "You know, this is really difficult for me." But you know what? He he did a really good job, and he really. Uh, he really accepted that he needed help, and 
Yeah. Uh, it, so that it, it was really, really, really something. That and you know back in back in uh, I guess the nineties he wrote this book. How can I help? Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden he would say, "Now how can you help me?" <laughs> um, yeah. And I love that he could laugh about it too. Yeah. I think that's part of yeah. what made him so relatable is that he wasn't trying to act like he'd got it all figured out and he was fully enlightened and that was that. And he's yeah. sitting on the mountaintop. He said, you know, after meditating with real meditators and all this time and, you know, I haven't lost one of my neuroses. Yeah. And I just, I adore him for that because he almost, um, He's like a model for us that like it's okay to be human and you can still be yeah. on this path and you can still be, you know, plugged into the work, I guess, the work of loving awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. For me, I think it's amazing how long he lived. Um, yeah. For one, he was about 10 years older than Wayne Dyer, I believe. And yeah, he was born having, in 31, and I think Wayne was bo- born in 1940. So 40, nine, 10 yeah. years, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can see how that sort of mentor relationship began. There was also a difference in age and experience there. Yeah. But, um, I mean, Ramdas outlived Wayne. He outlived yeah. Louise Hay, you know. And I, I always felt like just from my little tiny glimpse into his life from way over here was that after the stroke, a lot of people would have just given up like the struggles that he faced. And I'm sure he had moments, but I think a lot of people just would have lost their motivation to keep going. And I am just amazed to have witnessed the little pieces that showed that all the way through the rest of his days, he would take the pain, he would take the experience, he would take the the paralysis yeah. and use it and yeah. use it. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was truly, truly amazing. And, you know, many people said that the last 15 years of his life is when he really grew into being Ramdas. That was his time when he was here and he wasn't traveling. Um, he was so content and although he had lots of pain, uh, he he looked at it to a degree as grace, fierce grace, as uh, his first documentary uh, talks about. But he, he was just, uh, you know, it was just beautiful to watch him. Um, uh, he would sit actually in this study right here. He would sit and look out at the ocean and and you know listen to the wind on the trees and the birds go by and uh, he was very very happy and to the very end he he continued teaching and being with people. He had weekly um, uh, interviews or. Uh, sessions with people they were called heart to heart so people could sign up on the website and get a free hour with ramdas he, he would do two every week and he you know oh, i should have signed up for that <laughs> and he, loved, he loved it you know he loved listening and interacting and giving some and giving advice to people and and 
Uh, let me see, let me see. Oh, uh, well, right over here, there was a is a chair right next to his chair, and people would come and uh, just spend so much time with him. And, and you know, it's was really funny. Part of my job was to be a gatekeeper because you know he, he had limited energy, and uh, so I would prep people before they'd come up and spend some time with him, and I'd say things like. Well, you know, he's not really doing all that well today, so it would be wonderful if you could just spend an hour. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No problem. We'll do it. So they would, they would come and they would speak with him, and they, it would, they would get, get engaged. And, you know, maybe at the two-hour mark, I'd come up and I'd say, how's everything in here? And Ram Das would wave me off. He knew what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, so that promise to keep it to an hour uh, – and if I were one of them, I would have done the same. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was—he always, always had someone that was coming to, whether it was a local person or so, whenever anybody came into town. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he—he uh, he was like a magnet for community. It seemed like yeah. always people gravitated to him. And um, I gotta say, you know, I—I I didn't know what to expect going to Ram Dass's house. I was so excited just to be able to be in that space. And um, it's so beautiful there. But I think one of the things that I left with was the sense that he was surrounded by love Mm -hmm. because of people like you who were with him every day and that I can see that he wasn't just cared for he was loved. And that sort of puts me at ease of going, well, it must have been hard all those years with a stroke and health issues and getting older and all of that. But it makes me feel happier. It's like a sense of relief, like to witness that, oh, yes, of course, of course, he had people loving him right to the end. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Well, he was very lovable, so. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Can you tell us more about what your position was at the house? So you came, was it 2005? You came up and, you know, what was it that you did or what what was a typical day like? Oh, yeah, um, a typical day. Let's see. Well, we were in another location in Maui um, up until 2007, and then we mm-hmm. moved to to this location. And uh, uh, I would come up every morning, and I'd say at 8 o'clock, you'd like to get up at 8. So I'd come up, 
and uh, I'd say, good morning. Oh, we had an intercom. So I would push the button and say, good morning, Ram Dass. And he, he, <laughs> you'd fumble around. And and someone's, uh, one of the caregivers just last week sent me one of the, one, uh, sent me a uh, audio of the intercom thing. And he would push the button after he found it. And he'd say, good morning, Dasima. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, bring his medications upstairs and we'd <clears throat> help him a wash and uh, took his vital signs and uh, sometimes gave him injections depending he had multiple um, multiple infections and many times ended up in the hospital um, mm. probably averaged at least once a year sometimes a couple of times a year um, so we would do that, and then uh, one of the the guy caregivers would would help him um, in the bathroom, and uh, you know uh, Ramdas would do his own shaving with his left hand, and um, he'd go downstairs. And we had a we had a, a, a an elevator. It was called. It's a parallel elevator that would come from the top of the steps down to the bottom and he most of the time you would eat in the uh, in the dining room area if he didn't eat outside and um you know he'd love to his favorite breakfast was plop plops <laughs> which were um poached eggs with on toast with marmalade and uh and butter that was his he that was his um uh, um Eggs Benedict, since he was watching what he ate. He, he went nice. to, uh, some of his doctors were very health conscious, and uh, so that was his favorite breakfast. But, you know, he loved things like oatmeal and, think, you know, that nature. And then we generally had, um, we'd go through the emails that, that had come in, and uh, if we had to do some correspondence, and... Um, you know, depending on if he was meeting somebody, and he had lots of doctor's visits um, and physical therapy, and um, so part of the day was dedicated to that, and uh, uh, sometimes he would take a rest. We'd try to get into the pool as often as possible. He loved the pool, although he was was, um, restricted by the stroke, but when he got in the water, he was free, and he loved it. Sometimes he would dance in the water. He would. It was really. It was really um, beautiful. We had have a a pool that we built um, right outside, and it's it's a great pool. And he'd get a we you know put a noodle around him, and he would actually be able to walk in the water. And it's interesting uh, to go into another subject for a moment. Uh, in early on, when Wayne visited. Ramdas was able to do a little tiny bit of walking, and uh, he he worked on that really hard with physical therapist. And Wayne says, "Okay, when I next time I see you, I when I come back from my trip, I expect you to be you know walking all over the place." So the next time Wayne came to visit, Ramdas walked from the end of the corridor uh, into the living area to meet Wayne. And I wow. think we have a picture of that someplace. 
Yeah. I would love to see that picture. Let me know if you find it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I guess that must have been in 2005, 2006. And then up until about, he was like really making good progress. Um, and then in 2000, I think it was might have been 2009, a couple of things happened. He had a, he, uh, he fell and broke his hip. And then his left arm that he used to um, uh, help himself up, got a couple of rotator cuff injuries, and they couldn't do anything about it. So that ability to help himself up was taken away from him, as well as the problems with the the hip. So, you know, he tried really hard um, to walk, after after that and went to physical therapy on a regular basis and sometimes they would say okay now we're going to stand you know we're going to stand and we're going to do some take some steps but um you know it it wasn't to be Mm -hmm. and um then so getting back to a typical day um he, he might have a meeting in the afternoon and then uh after We'd go into the water, and then he'd take a little rest, and uh, we'd have dinner usually around 6.30 in the evening. And Mm -hmm. then uh, we'd watch, sometimes we'd watch um, television. We'd watch things like Stephen Colbert. We both love Stephen Colbert or The (laughs) Daily Show. And um, uh, there was a series on the Hindu... um, spiritual book the ramayana uh uh-huh. and we watched that probably seven times it's like i don't know 20 20 uh uh dvds and it, uh-huh. it was made in the 80s so we watched that a lot or um sometimes we'd watch some series like uh west side of uh, uh, excuse me west wing or um uh six feet under we watched the uh, Boston legal, <laughs> you know. That's fun. And then, yeah. Uh, so that was great. And then he'd, if we'd go to bed, and every night we we would have this routine at at night where we'd come up and uh, you know help him get ready for bed and uh, you know take his vitals again and um, any injections or whatever was needed. And he had this group of doctors, so there was always something new that we were trying. Um, and uh, I'd say, good night, Ram Das. I love you. And he would say, I love you too. Okay. And we did that every night until it, it, uh, until his his final day. That was the last thing he said to me was, I love you. What else is there, right? Yeah. That says it all. Wow. Um, it's so interesting to think about Ram Dass watching TV, too, I yeah. think. Because, like, <laughs> you know, we get these ideas in our heads of, like, oh, he's this great speaker on the stage. And yeah. um, I love hearing about that more human side of the of the day-to-day. Now, did you, did you guys have the pool put in at the house so it wasn't there when you... We did, um, uh, and and it's a I don't know it's a it's a nice big pool, 
-hmm. It's interesting. Last week, with we had these horrendous uh, windstorms, and um, we had this small house on the on the property, and this set of um, solar panels flew off and flew onto the solar panel for the pool, broke the solar panel, and then uh, one of the fellows turned the pump off for the pool, but didn't turn it off right, and three quarters of the pool drained. <laughs> oh, no. So we're still working with that. Oh, that was quite a windstorm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, trade winds, right? You get the trade winds. We get the trade there. winds. We sure do. Now, you also would go <clears throat> down and uh, bring him to swim in the ocean, right? Yes. I remember seeing pictures of that. Yeah. That was a that was a weekly um, tradition. Mm. <clears throat> we would um, go to the south side. We're, we're, we live on the north side in Aiku, and we would go to um, Kihei, the Cam 1, every morning uh, and every Monday morning. And, uh, it, you know, it started off with just three of us. And then, mm-hmm. you know, more people would find out about it and join us. And, you know, sometimes there'd be 30, 40 people there. And Wayne uh, joined us a couple times there as well. <laughs> One time he was um, scheduled to join us, and uh never made it and uh, a friend of his said oh wayne <laughs> he's got a terrible sense of direction he's always getting lost <laughs> i understand anyway, he wasn't very good with time either he wasn't good uh, at watching the clock so <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but um yeah so we would we would swim in the in the ocean and we had this little ritual afterwards we had we would do um uh, he would do, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, we, because we'd swim out to uh, a buoy, and so buoy boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and then he'd say, oh joy, oh joy, oh joy, oh joy, and it was named. We named this the uh, bobbing with Baba, and <laughs> and, uh, and then we had uh, this gal who. Um, has declared herself to be the minister of fun. So we, we had we had to do the minister of fun routine. And then we had another fellow <coughs> who um, studied Hawaiian chants, and we'd do a Hawaiian chant, and mm-hmm. maybe we'd do a little bit of row, row, row your boat, one of Ram mm-hmm. So we always used row, row, row your boat before he had to speak, just to mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, his um, his throat was opened up. Yeah. Now, were you we doing did that weekly, all weekly? Uh, and then we'd go to lunch. Mm. Well, yeah, you get hungry being out in the ocean, of, of course. Of course. Yeah. Now, did you guys do weekly kirtan back then, too? Were you having the... We did regular kirtans. We we didn't do them weekly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whenever... So it would probably be every other week, you know, mm-hmm. depending what was going on. We'd send now, out underst- an email and people would come. That's great. Um, now, I understand that his spiritual interests and his practices were a bit eclectic. I know his books, his book collection certainly is. Did he have something that he did on a regular basis or what was his practice like? His practice, yeah. Uh, you know, towards the end, his... We would meditate sometimes. Um, most times, we'd meditate before dinner, mm-hmm. um, and he looked 
at the time he spent in his chair as a meditation. So you'd look at the clouds and how the clouds would come and, and how they would split. And he really used that as a, as a, as a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So towards the end, he always said, you use a method and then you slay it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, his life, you know, other than maybe watching TV, um, it was a was a spiritual practice. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody hasn't seen the Netflix video Ram Dass going home that was taped on the property there, it's just so beautiful. And I had seen it years ago when it came out. I think that was twenty eighteen. And then when we were flying home from Maui, I actually watched it on the plane. And it was so different to see it after having just been in that space. And I love that you've preserved his study. And you can you can see it in the video, too, that like so much of the house you've kept the same as when he was there. And the, the energy yeah. is, is so strong. Yeah. Um, did you plan on on keeping the house after no. he passed? No, not at all. Uh, it was um, straight, you know, interesting unfolding. The uh, his um, foundation, which is Love Surf, remember, um, mm-hmm. and they're located in California, and they they, they contemplated at one point about keeping the the uh, the house and. Ramdas thought, well, that might be nice just to, you know, have a place for people to touch base. Um, but financially, it wasn't, it wasn't really uh, feasible for them to do it. So <clears throat> um, when Ramdas died, um, a lot of the, the caregivers, a lot of the caregivers over the years, some would come for six months, some would come for a year, some would come for three years. They all gathered back together. And they, they would meet at night and they'd say, hey, we can't let this place go. This is, you know, this is, this is so, it's just, you know, his spirit is so deeply embedded. We just can't let it go. So after three nights or so, they called for a meeting and we had about 25 people in the meeting. And um, my thought was, okay, um, once... Once we settle up here, I'll probably get a small cottage on on Maui and um, you know live out the rest of my my life there. Um, but they had this meeting, and they I don't know if you can see that portrait of Ramdas behind me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was in the living room, and uh, I was sitting there, and I was looking at Ramdas during this meeting, and the, the, the caregivers were so impassioned about keeping the house, and how important it was for people to come by, and, you know, other people, other spiritual teachers had um, a place where uh, you could go and just feel their presence, so they they were so, so uh, deeply committed to having this happen and then there was someone in the in the 
meeting who was saying, well, you know, then you have to form a 501c3, and it's very difficult to have a nonprofit, and then you have to have a board, and there's always disagreements, and, like, the, the energy in the room was going down and down and down. And I looked up at that uh, portrait of, of, Mahar, of Ramdas, and you can't see it, but his eyes are so vibrant in that in that portrait. And I looked, and it's almost like he's smirking. And I looked in that portrait, and it was like, yes, you can do it. So I, I turned around to the group, and I said, okay, let's do it. And that's how we formed Hanuman Maui. And our our mission is to continue his legacy here on Maui. Mm -hmm. So are you open to the public and what's next for Hanuman Maui? Uh What's the plan? Well, um, we are, we're open to the public, but on a limited basis um, because we're, uh, we have a homeowners association and we want to be in good stead with them. Um, one of the things we're starting to look at is Ramdas never owned this house. Uh, mm. That's another story, which if we have yeah. time, I'll tell you. Um, but we paid the mortgage, and uh, and uh, the owner of the place, Dr. Raj, who lives in, in Florida, um, the last thing Ramdas asked him was to make sure that I was taken care of. Um, oh. <laughs> and... Um, so he agreed to rent us the house, the same deal that that um, you know he that Ramdas had. And so we're paying we're paying the mortgage. So right now we had today, as a matter of fact, we had our first meeting to um, uh, look at the feasibility of 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 buying the house. Mm. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I got lost what? in that. What what's next for Hanuman Mao? Oh, what's next for Hanuman? Oh, yeah, and and we've done several things already uh, since the twenty. As a matter of fact, our third anniversary is coming up. Is it? I think it's next week. And uh, uh, the first thing we did was we we made the loving awareness garden, the Ramdas loving awareness garden, um, mm. and uh, we. As you remember, we we made a, a labyrinth, and it of course had to be a heart shaped labyrinth, and we bur- buried some of his ashes um, in that garden, and then had a ceremony and put a mango tree on top of the ashes, which is now starting to to uh, to grow very nicely. And the next mm-hmm. project we had was a building a temple, um, mm-hmm. and we. Um, so that was, you know, extraordinary that we were able to do that in so, so short a time. And um, we do prayers, RT, uh, in there twice a day. And this afternoon, as a matter of fact, we're going to um, to do 11 Hanuman Chalisas because it's the first Tuesday of the month, and that's when we do it. And then the third thing, big uh, project we had was to uh, create a, a an additional uh, retreat cottage, and it, it's beautiful. It turned out really beautiful. It's right on the ocean, and uh, people come typically for like a five day retreat, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. And um, is that on the same property? It's on the same property. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, you know, many times during the month we have personal retreats, which is, which is lovely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so our major thing right now is, is, um, determining whether we can purchase the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we have, you know, a lot of people that are helping us. We have Paul Selleck, who I believe, you know, um, he, he's a great guy. And next week he's going to do a, a, a benefit for Hanuman Maui. He's, this is the I third year he's done that. Yeah. That's great. And that's great. And then on Ramdas's birthday, which is April 6th, um, Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman are going to do a Zoom uh, podcast or not a, a, a Zoom um, um, if benef- for the benefit of, of Hanuman Maui. So we're great. really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and we uh, people can come. We do have, you know, meditations on Thursday, and and we do have uh, chanting on Sunday. But as I mentioned, we are part of a homeowners association, so we have to be a little careful. We right. don't want to upset any of the neighbors. Yeah, it is a private property. It's not a. Yeah, this is the only place we can do, you know, this is where, I mean, people who come here really feel Ramdas's presence. So there's no other, you know, if this doesn't work, there's no other place we would consider doing it. Mm. Well, it feels right. And I believe that what's meant to be will be. So I am certain you have forces on both sides conspiring for your benefit. So I love that. That yes. Ram Dass went out of his way to make sure that that you were going to be taken care of. I mean, yeah. you know, you were more than family to him, you know, more than family. Yeah. yeah. So for all of our listeners, if they want to offer support, what's the best way that we can support Hanuman Maui? Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, our... Email address is info at hanumanmaui.org. And we also have a, a, a website, Hanuman Maui. And uh, they can go on there. And uh, if they felt so inclined, they could make a donation. All right. Hanumanmaui.org. You can make a donation. You've got a little shop there. I know you guys do um, some other events and things once in a while, benefits. So. Yeah, that's yes. wonderful. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was getting ready to talk to you today is how, you know, for decades, Ram Dass was known for talking about death and dying and end-of-life care. It was something he participated in. He was, I think he was very courageous in the way that he opened the conversation because particularly in our culture, right, we, we keep it behind closed doors. So yes. I was wondering... Now that he's passed, he passed in December of 2019, from your perspective, what kind of impact did, did all of those years of work have on his own experience of dying? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, it uh, really had an excellent impact. Uh, well, I think Ramdas was ready, to, you know, he was accepting of death uh, 20 you know, probably even before he had the stroke, and mm-hmm. he was <clears throat> he was very interested in in death and dying, and 
and, you know, did those workshops. And um, he even started a dyeing center in the 80s in mm-hmm. um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, where where people would come to die a spiritual death and there would be caregivers and doctors who were um, interested in the spiritual path too. And, you know, one of, one of the things he would say was that, um, that the environment was so good that no one wanted to die, <laughs> that they, they lived on. <laughs> um, and that organization is still uh, alive and well in, in uh, California now. It, it's not a place, it's not a physical place, but it, it, it's, a, it's an organization. And I, the name of it is blank. I'm blanking on that right at the so, a second. But anyway, Ramdas did workshops, and and, and um, he talked about death. In, and he has a whole big section in his library on 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 death and dying, on on near death experiences, on what happens after death. And uh, it was he was really fascinated with that. Um, and, um, you know, he wrote that book, a, a great book with the Mirabai Bush on uh, walking each other home. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's one of those books where you can open it up and just read a page or two. And it's like, ah, oh, that's helpful. You know, it's, it was really good. And, you know, he, he in, in terms of his death, he wanted to have a very conscious death. He didn't want... <clears throat> He wanted to be, you know, conscious. He wanted to be conscious when he died. He didn't want, he was hoping that he didn't have to have a lot of morphine or, you know, medication that would uh, fog his brain. Or certainly, um, you know, some people think of Ramdas as, you know, the one of the kings of psychedelics. But he didn't want that. He didn't want mm-hmm. that uh, when he died. He wanted to, he was so excited for the process for for the journey that uh, he he wanted to fully embrace it and to to uh, to travel clear and so one of the things that happened there was uh, he knew that I was attached to him and so he said you know I really don't I I really want to have a clear death so so I. I don't want anyone holding me back. I just want, I, you know, I don't want pictures of family or, you know, maybe a picture of Maharaji, but that's it. And I just want people to be there and to be a clear field so I can, I can uh, exit. And mm. so that was a major challenge for me. Uh, there were about five of us at his bedside uh, that last day um and he uh yeah it was just to be there and not to have any emotion whatsoever and um i was pretty proud that i was able to accomplish that and his death was you know his death his death was um it was quiet it was peaceful and he just took at the end he took three deep breaths and he was gone. What did that feel like? What was the energy in the room with that? 
Well, first of all, your your practice of surrender. Yeah. And and what a release. Could you feel yeah. that when he left? It wasn't like he's gone. It was right. yeah, he was still he was still there as a matter of fact. I, I I said to one of the doctors that was there, I'm not sure he's still breathing. So they got out a stethoscope and, and checked to see if there was any pulse, and, and there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was it, the air. You could feel the air in the room. You could just feel it. And it wasn't, you know, we didn't, it wasn't a day that we get we got up and said, okay, this is going to be his last day. But he, he was not in great shape. Um he was able to to do a um, two weeks prior to his death. He did his last retreat, and that whole year of two thousand nineteen was a really tough year for him. It was a roller coaster with his health. You know, he'd get a major infection, and he'd end up in the hospital. And at one point, we said to him, Ramdas, you know, do you want to go on? And he said, he stopped, thought about it, and said. I still have people I need to tell about Maharaji. Yeah. And so up until two weeks before he died, he was still teaching. You know, we thought he'd go to this retreat and just be there, and we talked about that, and he said, yeah. He went there, and he taught as, as hard as he could. As a matter of fact, there was a... At the end of every retreat, we would have a um, what we call the mala ceremony. So the, we would give out malas, and we would put little threads of Maharaji blanket on the on the mala, and um, mm-hmm. everyone would get up, go up to Ramdas, and and get a mala, and then be introduced to to to, to Maharaji. And uh, so the, this last retreat, we said, "Okay, Ramdas." Uh, why don't you just bless the malas, and then you leave, and we'll give out the we'll give out the the malas. And you know, initially he said yes, and when we got there, he said no, I'm giving out the malas. <laughs> so to 400 people, <clears throat> wow. he gave a mala, mm. and he loved it. Right, he loved, he loved having it. that, he that really interaction, looking it. people in the eye, and yeah, looking into oh. their soul, not just their eyes, really yeah. looking deeply into each soul. Wow, he was really something special, and he still is. Yeah, and um, boy, whew, what a journey, what an incarnation, huh? Yeah, what a life! For sure, and I I think it's wonderful that he had an opportunity to sort of you know, make that exit on his own terms and in yes. his own space. Yes. And so many people don't. And I think that's that's part of the work he was doing is to open our eyes to um, death is not a failure. And, and this is yes. the next great adventure. And that the way that we can just sit with a person through whatever their experience of that is, is... Um, I, I feel like I haven't learned that anywhere else. I'm sure there's other people talking about it, but his life is his message and that's the one that mm-hmm. that's the one that reached me. So I'm yeah. grateful for that. Wow. Now, before I let you go, one more question. Do you have or what is one of your favorite memories 
with Ram Das? Because you must have so many. Oh, What's yeah. one of your favorite memories? What brings you joy to think about? Oh, there's so many. You know, what comes to my mind is um, at one point I was going to uh, take three or four days off and um, uh, go over to another island here. And uh, I had told Ramdas I was going. And then right before I left, I went up to him and I said, Ramdas, I'm, you know, I'm leaving. And he said, oh. No, and he started to cry. He said, I thought we would be together until we died. <laughs> um, yeah, we'd love to go on, you know, as a group, we would go on adventures wherever, mm -hmm. you know, whether it was going down to the, in, into the, into a Tahana or, you know, into the woods up in the mountains or, you know, just to the beach or, um, mm -hmm. We loved doing that. Occasionally, we we take a a, a trip over to to Lanai uh, and stay there for two or three days. And he would love it. He would sit there in his in his chair and you know go in the pool and the the hot tub and the look at the ocean and it was great. And I bet that when you go on adventures now, you still feel him with you. Right, because yeah. they, I feel yeah. like they experience it through us and with us, yes. um, without the body, without the mm -hmm. limitations of the body. So, yes. so maybe that's a beautiful thing. Um, I think so. I know that um, you've seen my my paintings here of Wendyer yes. and Ramdas, and I've been working on a new one. It's not quite finished, but I wanted to give you a peek of. Um, Wayne and Ramdas in Hawaii, um, wow. and it's based off of, and um, I'd be happy to send you this when it's finished. But this is based off of that's this... beautiful. Thank yes. you. This is the photo that I brought with me on our trip to Hawaii. Okay, so so we rented a house from Carl, but we didn't know that he had any connection to Ram Dass and you know any yes. of that the first day we get there i set up my sacred space i brought this framed photo and like a candle and a yeah. mala and i yeah. set up my sacred space and i do a little meditation and that night that night i was going wait i think Ram Dass's house was near here because normally when we go we stay on the west side of the island not, uh -huh. the, not the north side and I tell my husband in the morning, he's like, oh, you should ask Carl, because I think he said he was like an old hippie or something. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, he probably at least knows who Ram Dass is. But I feel like all of this happened with me meditating with my Wayne Dyer Ram Dass photo, the yeah. one picture I brought with me to Hawaii. see that picture again. Oh. There it is. Yes, I took that photo. And you that, took it! And that that's at Wayne's uh, condo in Kanapali. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for telling me that. Thank you for taking the picture. I love this photo, right? And yeah. so now the the painting I'm making is based off of is based off of that photo. But I always wanted to see them side by side, right? Because Wayne's yeah. like leaning oh, that's over, great. and I always wanted to see them Fabulous side by painting. side. But it's just so funny how it all came together. So when I talked to Carl. And I was like, oh, do you know Ramdas? He's like, yeah, I know Ramdas. I was friends with Ramdas. Oh, you were? 
Oh yeah, I knew him for fifty years. You knew him for fifty years? Yeah, yeah we yeah. went to India. You, I almost, I almost fell over. I was, yeah. it's just like the way that everything. There were so many synchronicities. I won't take up our time today on it. But the way that everything came together, and yeah. like getting to meet you and getting to come to the house and like the bringing my kids back to Hawaii. We hadn't been there since our wedding. Oh. And uh, it was just such a magical trip, and uh, it was a highlight getting getting to come there so thank you for everything that you've done for ramdas thank you for the your own spiritual path um maybe you were behind him but you are certainly reaching so many people and maintaining the sanctuary whenever i see pictures and videos of ramdas i almost always see you by his side oh. and and knowing you that that really warms my heart and seeing oh. just that Thank you know, he had that love. Uh, and thank you for all that you're doing for Wayne as well. Well, he had a big impact on my life and, and yeah. he led me to a lot of other great teachers. But these two are the ones that really have impacted me the most and just embedded themselves in, in my heart and my soul in a way that I don't even understand. But it but it drives me today. So Beautiful. so thank you for spending this time with me today. And I can't wait till I get to come back to the beautiful island of Maui um, and and spend more time and get to see the sanctuary again. Well, I can't wait for you to come back. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I, that's always been my backup plan is move to Maui. So um, you never know one day the timing might be right. But um, yeah, you know, it was it was Wayne and, and Ramdas's uh, vision to do that. And they did it. I can see why there's just something special. You can feel it. You can yeah. feel it in the land. And it's a beautiful place to live so thank you for coming on today for all our listeners thank you for following change your thoughts change your life and telling your friends about it the full video for this episode is available now exclusively on patreon you can get that link and more details about this podcast at nadiadelacruz.com and until next time take care of yourself and take care of each other namaste Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.